Hello, everyone. It is Halloween today, and we are here with my bloody podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited. It's Halloween. We have been looking forward to this day since the inception of this podcast, and I'm just so happy to be here sharing it with the the host with the most, the the ghoul to the ghoulies. I don't know. Preston Bartow, what's up, man? I'm doing I'm doing well. I I'm glad you're doing well. Are you glad Did you call me a ghoulie? I did call you a ghoulie. <laughs> they were just talking about that film on one of these podcasts that I listened to and I forgot the tagline being uh they'll get you in the end. <laughs> Very true. In so many yep. ways. <laughs> Ah, uh, but yes, I'm Brian Kluger. We're on the uh, My Bloody Podcast on the Multimedia Men Podcast Network on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we're just happy that it is actually Halloween. We're in Dallas, Texas, and holy shit, it's raining cats and dogs and monsters and lizards outside. And yeah, not not ideal trick or treat weather, but very ideal weather to watch a horror movie. Correct, sir. Correct. So we got a great show lined up for you today. We got some bloody questions, some some bloody recommendations, and of course our main event, Trick or Treat, which might be the ultimate Halloween movie, I think. Yep. Um, but uh, first, a little bit of a uh, little bit of news here. Um, I, where was I? I don't remember this happening, or unless it happened years ago and it's just now coming out. But another Leprechaun movie, and it's called Leprechaun Returns. What's this about? Um, I guess um, your guess is as good as mine. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't have um, Warwick Davis in it, does it? Um, not that I saw, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe Warwick Davis is too old to play this. I, I, I have no idea. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, if uh, Robert England's considering playing Freddy again, Warwick Davis could definitely play the Leprechaun again. I th- yeah, I agree. But I think the Leprechaun now is being played by Lyndon Porco, who was in Cult of yeah. Chucky. Um, and, uh, it, it actually will star Mark Holton, who, um, comes back to the fr- film franchise for the first time since the original 1993 movie. Uh, but yeah, he, he's coming back and it's called Leprechaun Returns. I mean, we've seen so many Leprechaun movies. He even went to yeah, the that's, ghetto. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we talked about it maybe probably like 15 podcasts ago where there was like this news about that main star, um, taking inspiration from Heath Ledger's Joker with his performance. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, yes, I do now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's super, super weird. They have a poster out, and it's actually kind of a cool poster. I think one of the better posters that I've seen than any other Hollywood movie. But it says, be careful what you wish for, and it's a leprechaun crawling out of, like, a, a, a well in the middle of a forest, and it's just leprechaun returns. Uh, I would imagine... Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, it looks like um, the, the, the 
the synopsis is really funny because it's basically says when the sorority sisters of the Alpha uh, Epsilon house decided to go green and use an old well as their water source, they unwittingly awaken a pint-sized green-clad monster, of course, <laughs> Leprechaun. So, hey, it's up to the girls of the sorority house to stop him, which, holy shit. I mean, this just screams my type of movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the director, too. He did The Void. Oh, yeah, The Void. That was actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So do you think this will invigorate the franchise? Uh, maybe. Um, it, it. I mean, it's still a digital and on-demand release, but uh, that's that shouldn't diminish your expectations of it. I think there's a lot of great things that can come out of that, and has the I mean I like that director so there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I hope hope it's good. Um but yeah, yeah, I I'm in for another Leprechaun movie. There's been a bunch. Uh so we'll see how this goes. Leprechaun at college, Animal House style. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Um all right, moving on. There is another movie coming out uh, that's in the works, and supposedly Jonathan Rhys Myers is going to be part of it. He was in Dracula and Matchpoint and a whole bunch of other stuff like The Tudors. Um, but there's another movie, a horror film called Altitude, and what it's being built as, uh, billed as, is kind of like that movie Frozen. Not the animated film, but the the horror thriller where the people are stuck on the chairlift on the ski slope. But mm-hmm. Altitude um, is going to be set in a hot air balloon, which is probably pretty scary. And it uh, looks like it's from uh, going to be by Mark Feinberg. So I don't know. What do you think? Um, sounds like a simple enough premise where, I don't know, kind of like, uh, even though Titanic's not a horror movie, but like how you can just take a different uh, – you know, Mode of different transportation, transportation <laughs> and just make a horror film out of it. Yeah. Um, and there's just, it's just a different perspective to kind of, uh, pull horror out of, a, a scenario. And so, um, yeah, I think it can be effective. No. Yeah. Do you, do you remember? Well, I mean, we've seen, we recently, I think there's been like some hot air balloon deaths and I'd imagine that's pretty scary. Uh-huh. But there, like a, several years ago, there was like this hoax where we thought this little kid was like in this like hot air weather balloon thing. Do you remember that? Uh-uh. I'm trying to remember when that was. I don't know how old you were, but yeah, it, it made national news and it turned out like the kid wasn't in there. But I can't imagine being in a hot air balloon and not being able to land or I have no idea how long this movie would be because I feel like if something went wrong with a hot air balloon it would be over in a matter of like seconds <laughs> so i've yeah i've never been on a hot air balloon but it just seems to make sense that you just go with the parachute at all times yes correct correct i just right i i, I agree with that but yeah we'll we'll see where this goes but i'm in i i'm in for this altitude i i think i would be scared uh of it uh like you know i mean the movie Frozen, not the animated movie, but the horror thriller on the ski slope, it was it was scary in a way that the, like what happened. However, like the the people in the film are just completely it like complete idiots. 
And so, like, I, th- I don't think any logical or intelligent person would make the same decisions they did. So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I, I think that it, it, it could be a good film. And I like uh, Jonathan Reese Myers as an actor. Um, haven't really seen too much of him lately other than, like, I was going through all the Mission Impossible films. And I think he popped up in maybe the third one. Um so I like him a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it has potential. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, moving on, we uh, we talked about The Meg uh, several podcasts ago, the giant shark movie. It looks like they're developing a sequel or more because The Meg, I believe, is based off a book. But there are a series yeah. of books on The Meg which all sound uh, pretty fun, and it looks like it's heading for, like, film franchise status because The Meg, believe it or not, made, like, more money than most really big movies this year. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe The Meg will reach 25 movies uh, <laughs> over Jaws since that, <laughs> since that thought in Back to the Future never happened. So are you excited for more of these films? I, I think so. Uh, as long as um, I think if they find different ways to kind of push the boundaries of what they could do, um, because we kind of got the the stupid film out of the way, it'd be nice to see like w- if they kind of lean more into seriousness and like maybe try to uh, incorporate more terror. It'd be it'd be cool if they just uh, tonally try to do something different with like each chapter instead of doing what the Jaws films do, did. And, and I like the Jaws films, but like each one just kind of feels like another chapter in the franchise, kind of like the uh, Jason films, um, except for a few. But, you know, they just kind of stick to the formula and that's it. But I think if they find different ways to kind of bring something unique to it, uh, each installment, I think it could be a pretty solid franchise. I think so too. I think, uh, these, these films could be really, really fun. And I, I hope they have like, I mean, some, like, like Preston said, I think uh, hopefully they go serious with it one time, but then I hope like they go silly with it and then like have gimmicks with it as well, because how much can we see of the shark movie? And like, hopefully Jason Statham will stick around through all of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe, or at least maybe just like another one or or three. I've made the argument on here a couple of times with the Harry Potterism, where it's hard to imagine one guy just being the saving the world so many times or saving so many people so many times, where you kind of just have to let somebody else just bring something different to it. And I think critics would probably like it because the critics who loved the the Meg for being a stupid shark movie like I did uh, <laughs> would probably appreciate being like you know what I really liked the Meg too it had a it uh, felt more in line with Jaws or something like that opposed to being a dumb movie and so it could just have a little bit for everybody going forward if they keep going forward yeah I I get it I get it I uh, I'm I'm in I'm in um, cool. Let's 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 talk about all of this Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. I guess Robert England finally reprised his role as Freddy Krueger on the 
Goldbergs. comedy show, The Goldbergs. And after that, he was like, I think I got one more Freddy in me for another movie. And then recently, Heather Landcamp, uh, who played Nancy in the original film and in part three, as well as Wes Craven's New Nightmare, has said she is also on board with another Freddy movie starring the two. So, I mean, shit. I think it's going to happen. I don't see why it wouldn't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess other than, you know, Wes Craven not being around. But but even then, he didn't direct. He only directed, he only directed two, of two of them. Correct, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's possible. Did you watch that episode of the Goldbergs? I did not. I didn't either, but I watched a lot of the clips, and it, it was strange. It was kind of like, you know, watching – uh, Rocky Balboa in Creed, where he just sounds very aged. Um, so you can hear that how much Robert England has aged in his voice, even though he's covered in his usual prosthetics and mask and get up. But uh, you can feel that uh, it's been some time. But he still has that infectious energy that I think would be great for a film that was completely absent. In that 2010 remake with Jackie Earl Haley. Um, So I think that it's not a bad idea, but I wouldn't be disappointed if it didn't happen either. I mean, I really want one because I don't want them to make another Nightmare on Elm Street movie without Robert England as we saw before that it just can't be done. And they didn't do a good job the last time. So I I really want this. And with the success of Halloween and other things coming out and probably another Friday the 13th movie, it just makes sense for them to bring it back. And so, yeah. So with uh, Nancy died. Well, well, in three, but she kind of comes back in part four or I mean, in the in Wes Craven's new nightmare. So I would just have to imagine that. It's just like this series is just a bunch of different alternate realities. Correct. Unless they kind of do kind of like something similar to Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which has already been done, which I don't want to see really again. But I think there could be instances of where the reality and actress come together. However, they could do what Halloween did is completely ignore all the sequels until – except for the first movie – and uh, just have Heather Landcap Nancy be a mother and have her daughter or sons um, experience this shit. And I think it could kind of be like the same kind of deal that Halloween did. What do you think about that? Mm, I like all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's my favorite franchise as a whole. I think all the films are pretty solid, even the second one. And I, I don't think it's they don't. They don't need to do what Halloween did because Halloween has more problematic chapters in its franchise. So it's a little more understandable that they did that. Um, but I, I guess kind of going into leaning into what we were just talking about a little bit earlier about alternate realities. I think they can make it work. Uh, they can find some kind of creative way to make that information known that it's an alternate reality and, uh, because the the whole concept of dream and nightmares uh, gives you a lot of room to have a lot of fun, and so it's it's possible that they could uh, bring Nancy back. Um, so 
Do you yeah. think they'd uh, bring Johnny Depp back? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they would probably like leave him dead. <laughs> oh man. It's uh it's pretty funny actually it's as Preston brought up I actually watched Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 which is one of the more homoerotic films yeah. <laughs> out there. Not not as not as great as Top Gun but um or Commando yeah. but right up there and it's they kind of went differently with it uh but and I think it's Freddy at kind of his most sadistic in this movie but he's also in it maybe like 6 minutes. Um and it's Super ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I would love to see this happen. I don't see why it wouldn't, because people would clamor, and it would make yeah. it'd probably make more money than Halloween, I would imagine, because Freddy is such a lovable character. And you kind of... thats what, that's, I guess that's kind of where you... How do you draw the line there? Because Freddy kind of became like an anti-hero, almost. And like, he's supposed to be the bad guy, for sure, so... Would would you keep him kind of like where people rooted for him, or would you make him evil and sadistic with one liners? I don't know. Uh, I think at this point, since the cats already have the bag, they they just uh, they just have fun with it. They have to find like some kind of nice balance with it uh, to make the scenario scary, but also make him a fun and interesting villain. Because that's always what's gravitated me most towards him is he's not a silent killer like Jason or Michael Myers. Like he has a lot of fun and that's what makes it fun for the audience. And so it it would structurally uh, and I guess plot wise and character wise would be a much more difficult film to write in comparison to Halloween because – Comedy is a whole other obstacle, as is horror, so they would have to just find a a nice middle ground uh, that would work with today's uh, type, the type of horror films that are made today and scare people and the type of comedy that is effective. Right, right. (sighs) I, I I just want it to happen so badly. I'm, I want it. Yeah. I want it. Um, so yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, that's kind of news. Other than uh, before we move on to the bloody question, it is Halloween today. Um, Preston, what are a few must watches uh, for Halloween that you want to suggest? Like, just what are some of the go tos that you absolutely have to do on Halloween? Um, well, I, uh, on Instagram, I've posted a movie or a Blu-ray that I own every day of October. And so my go-to, so you can go on my Instagram at Preston Bardo and find 31 recommendations. But, uh, for Halloween, um, my wife and I tend to watch the original 1978 Halloween uh, that John Carpenter did. That's uh, pretty much uh, pretty. It's a typical choice. But uh, on today's post that I put up, instead of going with Halloween, I posted Jaws because I, you know, I mentioned on here quite a few times that Jaws is my favorite horror movie of all time, and you shouldn't let the a season setting keep you from enjoying a scary movie. Scare scares or scares. 
and I can enjoy a movie like The Thing that takes place in the snow and the Arctic and the shining and the snow, and it's still scary to me. So it, it just seems like it's different with the beach that people just like, no, I only want to watch that during the summer. So uh, I would uh, – my mine is Jaws and Halloween and uh, probably Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Dream Warriors. Nice, nice. Uh, those are excellent choices. I think I got to go with uh, the great – it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown for Halloween, always on the day or evening. Uh, I always watch Dead Alive from Peter Jackson on Halloween as well. And then my, uh, and then I think today, I think today. Yeah, uh, trick or treat. Yes, trick or treat for sure. And then um, uh, I think today I'm going to go with Jason X is kind of like the wild card because I think it's just, it's going to be great. But yes, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and uh, Dead Alive are usually my go-tos for Halloween. But uh, if you're listening, let us know what movies you must watch on Halloween, if it's Treehouse of Horror from Simpsons, or if it's a scary episode, or just a horrific movie, or Hocus Pocus, really. I don't know. But let us know. Uh, we would love to hear from you. On to my bloody questions. Preston, you had a question, then, you Yes, I did. Kind of going off of our question that you posed last time we recorded about a favorite jump scare from a non-horror film. It had me thinking a lot about, like, what's the most horrifying moment that's happened in a non-horror film. And uh, so what what is your choice before I reveal mine? Okay, my choice, probably one of the scarier moments from a non-horror film. Um, the one that really came to me, because I thought about this, I'm like, oh. And some of these were kind of like, you know, on the verge of maybe horror thrillers, but I tried to think of one that was like just kind of really scary. And I went to, uh, I was looking through my movies. I was like, oh shit, yes, this scene. Um, and I picked Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. When We don't know where we're going. Yes, they go through the tunnel and it just gets really fucking weird and scary. Yeah, insects For, on the wall and... Yeah, and no, for no reason. And then, you know, Gene Wilder's portrayal of Willy Wonka is just like, oh my God, I love you. And then, like, on a dime, and scare the shit out of you. Yeah. And he totally did that. And even when you're watching, you're just like, holy God, what are we watching? Just like everything about that movie, just the camera focused on him and he's him not blinking and him starting to yell and all the flashing lights and the imagery and. Oh, oh God! That 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 seems pretty scary for like a kids' film. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that one. What about you, Preston? Uh, the one that came to my mind uh, first and foremost is 1940s Pinocchio. Ah, yes. <laughs> I used to watch that movie a lot as a kid, like I did, like all the Disney films. I was very much a Disney kid, and. To me, like, all the Disney films uh, just, like, represented life to me. Like, I learned so much about uh, parents and f finding your identity and things like that from all the Disney films. And so I just took everything that was uh, sh uh, displayed in all these films as truth. And so... 
in Pinocchio when they get to uh, when he's captured by that uh, Stromboli. See, I don't have my yeah Stromboli, um, and then his peers start turning into jackasses, Donkeys. like his one yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's like one one of his friends uh, who turns starts turning into a jackass and he's screaming mama and it was it's one of the most frightening sequences ever because when you're young obviously your mom is like one of the most important is the most important person in your life and so whenever i see a movie today like 50 50 or something or uh saving private ryan when somebody's dying or is thinking that they're going to die and they scream out for their mom like that really hits home. And so this just horrific moment happening whenever I would have a nightmare in the middle of the night, you know, you scream for your mom. And so it just genuinely scared me. And it's a kid's film. I I completely agree with you, sir. Very much so. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. It is a dang, dang good. Uh, Yes, let us know what other uh, very horrific moments in non-horror movies you think, because there are definitely a ton of them. So uh, let us know. But yeah, Pinocchio and Willy Wonka, two great childhood films that are family-friendly, but then also have really scary moments that will stick with you forever. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's talk about bloody recommendations. My bloody sure. recommendations, where we talk about movies, new or old, that you might have forgotten about, or just you just need to see. We just want to recommend them to you. You yep. highly recommend Preston. What's your recommendation for this Halloween? Uh, for Halloween, uh, it's a brand new Netflix series called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Really? I, yes. <laughs> have you have you seen anything or seen the trailer? I've seen the trailer and like I hear like you know the coming to get you Barbara like Night of the Living Dead thing, but then I'm just like, ah, I just don't know if I can get, put myself into this. But I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm happy to report, and I'm only two episodes in, but that's a whole movie because each episode's like sixty minutes long. And there's 10 episodes, so I'll be watching some more this evening, most likely. Um, But uh, just two episodes in, it even feels like a whole movie. Like, there's a nice arc, and then it kind of ends in a cliffhanger. But the first two episodes, like, work hand-in-hand. And it feels like I wonder if that's going to happen going forward. Like, it'll just go with pairs. Um, So it'll be interesting. But uh, this is a much darker uh, interpretation of uh, Sabrina Spellman from the, you know, the Teenage Witch series that came out in the 90s with uh, Melissa Joan Hart um, and Salem the Cat that looks like a fake prop cat, but they just kind of an enjoyable, fluffy uh, TV series that came out that I used to watch a lot when I was a kid just because it, it just went down smooth and it was a nice sit and this one um, is, like I said, very is much darker. Like you can kind of get that feel from the trailer that they put out when they show like Sabrina, who's played by Kiernan uh, Shipka, Shipka from Mad yeah, Men. Yeah, 
Yeah, she was from Mad Men. She was also in that really terrible movie, uh, The Black Coat's Daughter. Formerly titled, I think, February, I think? Yeah, yeah. And it was dog shit. Yeah, I saw it at Fantastic Fest. I hated every second of it. (laughs) Me too. Um, But she's really good here. Uh, She plays the 16-year-old version of, you know, Teenage Witch, uh, Sabrina Spellman. And uh, she kind of sounds like... uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, she was also a 90s star. Uh, Clarissa explains did... it all? <laughs> kind of. Um, <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart? <laughs> uh, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes. She sounds like Amanda Bynes. But um, she's really good in the part. She has like this uh, confidence that I think just really pulls you into the experience of it all uh, far, far more than I expected. But there's all there's all these. It, it feels like a, a horror movie. Like it even tiptoes around like witched territory, uh, like the movie The Vitch, The Vivitch, and um, and it has that kind of aesthetic. I know it's from the producers of Riverdale, which I watch with my wife, and I like it. Okay, it's fine. Um, but uh, this one I'm really into because I think they give you a good grasp of each of the characters, including uh, Sabrina Spellman's uh, aunts uh, in the story. And then they bring in Salem. And so it would be interesting to see where they go from that. And Salem doesn't speak in this one, but uh, there's how they handle him is far, far more than I expected. Uh, there's a scene that happens in maybe the first or second episode. I believe it's the second episode uh, where there's a spell that's been put on a scarecrow, like out in a field where they're picking apples, where Sabrina and her boyfriend uh, Harvey, and I'll get to them in a minute, um, where she's being chased by this uh, possessed uh, scarecrow and Salem comes out of nowhere and almost takes the form of like a giant cougar for like a split second and sounds like he's bigger than what he really is. And so that just felt interesting to me. And I'm very curious to know where they'll go from here. And, uh, the, the dynamic between, uh, Sabrina and her boyfriend, Harvey played by Ross Lynch. And he actually played, um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer, and uh, my friend Dahmer. Oh yes, and it, which which is also kind of fascinating because I never got to see him in his Disney days. He was part of like a Disney TV show, and then he went to this to kind of pull himself out of it, like uh, a lot of the Twilight and Harry Potter stars are trying to do like darker material to pull themselves out of uh, being uh, pinned to a certain like kids show or uh, teen film or something. And uh, he brings a lot of charisma to the role. And I think they have a very uh, good relationship with each other. It feels genuine and the dialogue's very good. And uh, so far the storyline is pretty fascinating. Uh, Pretty much just deals with, her doing a what's called a dark baptism where she'll be because she's a half human and half witch her dad was a a full witch which is a warlock and her mom was a human 
And so she has to kind of like your quinceanera, your sweet 16 or something like, like you're leaving your girlhood behind and she's taking her vows in a way to become a full witch and have the powers and abilities uh, that she would need to continue, uh, uh, you know, witches being able to live in secrecy in like, cause after the Salem witch trials, they kind of just stayed hidden. But um, now they're with her. It just seems like a, a Buffy kind of a vibe where, like she has a much greater purpose than just being another one to kind of keep the tradition alive. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to me to kind of see where it goes from here. And from what I've, from what I've heard, it it's going down a path that will be very entertaining for people. And so um, tonally, I just think it's, uh, it's pretty much in line with what I would want out of a show like this. Uh, it has its comedy moments and it has uh, it gets super dark, especially by the second episode where you think things are going to be like just kind of cozy and warm. It just like ends in a way where you're just like, oh, man, like me and Hay- my wife look at each other. And we're just like, that was really dark. Um, so uh, I think it's I think it's uh, has a good a good uh, formula set up for itself. That'll be that I'm very curious to see how it goes for the rest of the rest of the season. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you have access to Netflix, watch the chilling adventures of Sabrina. It's a pretty chilling, good time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to check it out and, uh, you just kind of, um, just, uh, convinced me to give it a, give it a go. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, the devil makes an appearance in it. So, uh, very much uh, Black Phillip style. So uh, that's why I brought <laughs> up the witch. So, like, uh, it's just it's just cool. Uh, I, I'm really into it at the moment. Cool, cool. I'll give it a shot. Um, my bloody recommendation on this Halloween is super weird and strange and fucked up, and you've probably never even heard of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Movie came out in 2003 and it's called The Manson Family from writer producer director Jim Van Beber. Have you heard of this? Uh keep going. I, I've seen quite a few Manson stuff, so it may I may have. So this is kind of like super low budget, part mockumentary, part archival footage, part, you know, uh, like narrative film and we've seen tons of TV specials and stuff about Charles Manson and his sadistic family of murderers uh, we've even seen interviews and everything like that and then we got Tarantino's film next year yes we got Tarantino's film next year so the guy's just not going away uh, and he passed away recently um, but yeah he, there's this guy, this producer, writer, director, filmmaker, Jim Van Beber, and his movie called The Manson Family, which is kind of like a drug-fueled, psychedelic, bloody mess that, again, is all these different types of film, narrative, archival footage, mockumentary, and the result is just twisted, nightmarish, and very extraordinary. Um, it kind of, uh, the film kind of plays out in chronological order, where we start with like kind of like a young Charlie Manson and his like hippie guitar playing days 
he starts to recruit other people, and then he kind of takes charge of the group. And we see how very manipulative and chaotic his life and follows are from then. Um, in between these scenes are interspersed uh, with archival footage and present-day interviews with people involved with Charles Manson and the family. Uh, and they discuss kind of their motivations and their thought process uh, throughout their actions. Uh, but it, like the whole uh, overall star story arc here in the film center around, centers around a reporter uh, doing a story on the Manson family who is unknowingly marked for the Manson family, kind of like a behind-the-mask type situation. Uh, and this just it just goes from there. But yes, uh, there are segments in this movie that include rape and murder and blood orgies and all kind of... I, I say I don't say the term blood orgies lightly, but it's in there. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart by any means, but this movie is uh, really, really cool. Like they showcase kind of some of the, like the smaller, more intimate moments of Manson and the family, rather than like the very, the more famous exploits of this cult that they had in the murder of Sharon Tate. Um, it kind of shows kind of like the disagreements and stuff between the actual family members, uh, even if it means killing their own, uh, which is pretty crazy. And we are kind of thrown in in a very low-budget guerrilla filmmaking way in the middle of all of this, and it's uh, kind of scary to look at and watch because it kind of is like, is this shit real? Is this part snuff? Uh, but how uh, Van Beber does this is just damn good. You won't soon forget this movie. It's pretty horrific. Uh, it's the visuals, like, again, are psychedelic and kind of drug fueled. Um, and of course blood and guts everywhere. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty disturbing movie and it's out on Blu-ray if you can find it. Um, the movie came out in 2003, but it was released on Blu-ray in 2013. Uh, and it is just damn good. There's commentary on it. Um, and they're one of like the most terrifying things about the Blu-ray is there is an actual interview with Charles Manson, and it is pretty damn scary. <laughs> it's about 15 minutes long. Uh, but yeah, if you can find this, The Manson Family by Jim Van Bever, highly recommend it if you're into the horror scene and Charles Manson want to see a very, very strange and unusual different take on uh, filmmaking. What do you think, mm -hmm. sir? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I was just looking it up, and I don't think I've seen that version. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the Manson family, hardcore. Uh, it's good stuff. But those are our bloody recommendations, and which leads us to the main event of our Halloween episode, Trick or Treat. A very fucking fun movie that I love wholeheartedly. Mm. Don't you? Uh, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, it's, it's a hard one for me to kind of recommend to my wife, even though I think that she would enjoy it or find some enjoyment out of it. Uh, it involves like killing kids at one part. So well, there's actually be... like several kids dying in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Kids killing but, kids. Uh, but and I'm then thinking the of the one. Uh, yes. 
with the principal, but I, maybe she may relate to that. I don't know. She's a teacher. She gets frustrated with kids. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm just kidding. and he, no, he's, he's really sadistic, but he's it's like sadistic in a funny way. And that's, what's great about this movie is that while there are like some really obvious, like sadistic and scary ass moments, it's kind of all done with like almost a light touch where it's almost like a very, very black comedy, dark comedy. Yeah, it's almost like he treats it like it's super normal. Like, he's like, hey, it's okay for me to behave this way or think this way. Because it's all part of Halloween, which I think is, like, the main message of the movie. is like, if you don't celebrate Halloween by any sort of tradition, (laughs) you're going to get fucked with. (laughs) Yeah, the the Halloween uh, equivalent of Santa Claus, uh, Sam, will kill you. Yes, yes, correct. Um, but yeah, this movie is great. It's, uh, finally has its damn due release from Scream Factory. Cause this came out, uh, almost a decade ago and it, it had an okay, like video and audio presentation, but it only had like one extra on it. And now we have like this big ass, badass collector's edition from Scream Factory with like a new 2k transfer DTS HD 5.1 audio and a fucking pumpkin full of bonus features brand new which are all great uh, and i'm just happy that it came out in time for halloween so we can do this for a halloween episode but preston please tell us what it was an anthology film but it's like done differently than any sort of anthology film like creep show or anything so tell us about it yeah so it uh to me it kind of unfolds very much like pulp fiction like there's parallel storylines or they're they're all happening or a parallel timeline like everything's happening around the same time or at the same time and uh there's like hints all over the place even from like the first story so there's the the movie says it's four storylines but it's technically five uh kind of like a creep show where you know you have your main storylines that they show in the film but then you gotta have like your uh prologue and epilogue that kind of uh are the bookends of everything and make sense of the whole thing so it can have some sort of connected tissue and so in this one uh, we we have uh, the opening storyline, which is just a couple who are kind of bickering with each other about uh, Halloween holiday traditions, and uh, you can you get a sense that the woman does not like uh, Halloween whatsoever. She's already to, ready to tear down the Halloween decorations that are in their yard and just kind of put it behind her, while her husband uh, very much loves the holiday and. So she gets a brutal death, and <laughs> which is great, Miss Leslie yeah. Bibb. Yeah, um, you got uh, lights in her in her head that uh, make a very nice jack o' lantern. And uh, from there, we kind of go into um, it, like cuts back and forth between uh, storylines, but there's there's a very orga- nice organic flow between them all. Um, we have the one that I was hinting at earlier with the high school principal who has a secret life as a serial killer, and there's a kid, the kid from um, Bad Bad uh, Santa. I believe. Yes, yeah. kid from Bad Santa for sure. Yeah, he's being bad here, and he's kicking uh, over jack-o'-lanterns and stealing candy, and uh, that pisses off the principal. 
So, uh, yeah, that probably won't end well for him. And then we have um, this college virgin played by Anna Paquin uh, right before she started doing True True Blood. True Blood, yes. And so it's about her and her friends trying to find the right guy for her. And then uh, we get into some werewolf stuff. (laughs) And uh, the next one involves uh it's this one's probably my favorite one it involves uh, teenagers pulling a prank and um kind of tapping into like local urban legends which is also you know kind of part of growing up like all those urban legends like for for us where i'm from didn't they have uh goat's bridge which is a big one out here um it was a scary story that we used to tell each other and kind of elaborate or you know, pe- People had different interpretations of it, and it was always just kind of fun to uh, tap into that the horror of that story. And so this is all that section of the film is all about that. And then we get uh, a mean old man uh, who lives right next door to the high school principal, and um, he kind of keeps to himself and is a bit of an asshole and. Uh, he has a run in with Sam, which we talked about earlier, who is the pretty much just like the, the symbol of Halloween. And he makes sure that everything is kind of running according to plan, that everybody's celebrating the holiday like they should. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think those were all the storylines, right? Yeah, just the you have the Anna Paquin, yeah, and I guess that. I mean, there might be like some very smaller ones here and there that you'll see throughout, but those are the main ones for sure. So, and and it's and it's all like Preston said it perfectly, Pulp Fiction style, but horror, and it's just yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you'll see stuff going on in the background of one story that uh, will that will come back up later when they bring up another storyline. Correct. Which is pretty, pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. But, and I, but, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was just going to say, I think the reason why it, it's like the ultimate Halloween film is because it just doesn't, it doesn't stop reminding you that it's Halloween because of all the decorations and all the dressed up, you know, the costumes and everything, and all the horror elements that, uh, that we can identify from some of the best horror movies. And it just, you know, like a lot of people, like I said, when we're talking about the movies that we feel that we need to watch every year for Halloween, uh, like 1978's the original Halloween, um, like it has its moments, you know, where it reminds you, you get the pumpkin, you get uh, trick-or-treaters, all happens on Halloween. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a serial killer trying to get inside uh a house and trying to kill this babysitter and this film from beginning to end just feels like Halloween and it never stops reminding you that that's what it is. Right. Right. It's because like, again, it has that overarching message of like Halloween, you better be celebrating some form, even if you're giving out candy, carving a pumpkin, killing, (laughs) or even just, you know, eating candy basically. But if you like, by God, if you turn out a pumpkin light or knock over something before Halloween ends, you gonna get it. <laughs> yeah. Which is super fun, which is super fun, I think, to 
kind of watch and all that good stuff. And I think like they got really good actors for it. I think everybody kind of had fun with it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think they had a lot of great actors. I really liked D- uh, Dylan Baker as that school principal, and I enjoyed Anna Paquin in the role. And um, all the kids, like all the kids are especially good, especially during that Urban Legend one. Yes, yes, yes. Um, sure. So, yeah, I think all the performances are really well uh, they're, they're committed. Like they just feel like, even though it's operating in a supernatural world, it feels like it's happening or it's grounded in our reality in some in some way or or form. Even when it gets like really out there, especially during um, the one with Anna Paquin, when that that one is like this probably the scariest images of everything because it's it's you know them tearing off their skin. And, and like everything that's so great about some of our favorite uh, uh, werewolf films, like American Werewolf in London, um, just like the the different ways that they transform, and that that one's just frightening. That they can just rip off their skin, and then underneath it's just like this, almost like a coven of werewolves. And it's and it's damn good how they do it and like the the practical effects there and it's just like mm-hmm. and like how they kind of like do it because like you'll see them like tearing each other's skin off and it's just like so scary and creepy and ooh, like queasy moments just like oh shit they went all the way here and just looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of this movie and they they obviously the the director really knew his horror and I think put a lot of his favorite moments of horror in here, but he did it so well. And like, mm-hmm. why hasn't there been a sequel? Why, why not? Yeah, I don't know. It was really interesting watching the, the extras that were on that screen factory release where it, it came from like animation and it was just like a small idea that blossomed into a feature film that seems like it has so much more room to tell more stories and it can kind of continue. It can be what Halloween three, uh, wasn't, um, or at least in my eyes, uh, like just feeling like, a. even though Halloween three is an anthology, but they wanted to treat the series as an anthology. And I feel like this, uh, even though it's being deemed as an anthology film, like we've been saying, it just feels like its own film that has multiple storylines that happen, kind of like almost Peros or uh, Pulp Fiction. And so I, there's like so many different avenues you can go down with this film, and they can just keep going. And uh, yeah, I have no idea why they haven't uh, made more of these, but uh, they should. I think they should, and I, I'm looking at Michael Doherty's the creator of the of the movie uh, Trick or Treat. It looks like he has directed and wrote the upcoming Godzilla King of the Monsters movie, but it is announced that he will be doing Trick or Treat two, directing and writing it, which Good. is super cool. Finally, um, I'm glad that's happening because we definitely need another one of these, and I can't wait to see where they go with it. Yeah. Um, so is there anything in the film that you don't like? I'm trying to, I was, cause like, like I said, I watched it last night and I was like, you know, hardcore watching and looking, it's like, no, everything in the movie is just really pitch perfect to me in, in my eyes, just 
like all the little details and how they merged everything to even like Brian Cox's character, which is holy shit great. Um, I think it's just good. It's just it's all done well. There's not. There, I don't think there's like one thing I don't like. I even like Marilyn Manson's "Sweet Dreams Are Made of These" song uh, with the werewolf scene, which is great. What about you? Is there anything you don't like? Um, no, I'm pretty. Uh, I agree. I think everything about the film functions in a way, in the way that it should, and in a great way. And the only thing that kind of doesn't work for me is the opening text. Uh, which is doing the creep show stuff, but I feel like it's so much its own unique animal that it feels a little bit out of place because the movie, like we I've said again and again, it it just has a different structure and doesn't really abide by the rules of a anthology film, and so I felt like it didn't really need to have that kind of a, a opening text. Uh, where it has like comic book like graphics to kind of tap into that you know creep show tales from the crypt kind of vibe. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, it's but it's fine. Uh, I think it's a pretty perfect film, a uh, horror film, and one that I really enjoy a lot. And um, I think if uh, if I just had a minor gripe, that that's what it would be. Okay, okay, oh, I see it. Um, but I, yeah, I love this movie, and it's you know I want to watch it more than once a year. So I try yeah. to sneak it in here and there, but it just it plays so well around October, especially on Halloween night, because this movie all takes place on Halloween night. And mm-hmm. it's super and it's short. I like short films. Yeah, it's like eighty-two minutes long, and yeah, <laughs> which is great because we see so many movies that are like two, three hours long, and it's like, oh come on, there's like no filler in here. It's constant, right? And it's good. Yeah. So I like it a lot. Yeah, it does everything right that Creepshow uh, didn't <laughs> in terms of uh, cutting out all the fat, like you just said. Like, I just think that uh, it, it's clear that this filmmaker knew what the problems have been with these kind of stories. And like, this would be a kind of like a fresh way, but also kind of pays homage. And I think that, like I said, with the, the text and the, the opening, maybe he tipped it a little too hard, but still it's, uh, it's a pretty damn perfect film in my eyes. Yeah. I, I would agree with you trick or treat. If you have not seen it, please see it tonight. Um, and if you, uh, if you have seen it, of course, watch it again and buy it on Scream Factory, the collector's edition, because there's all sorts of great shit to it, uh, bonus feature-wise. So, so yes. Awesome cover. Yeah, it is great. Um, yeah, I love this movie. We love this movie. My bloody podcast loves this movie. And I think that wraps up our Halloween episode, sir. Yeah. Uh, trick or treat. Uh, we had a great time. And we are going to be eating candy, hopefully trick-or-treating if this rain goes away. And uh, we'll be back next week with some awesome stuff. Should we tell them about next week or no? Um, Well, we can hint at it. Just say that uh, this is – it may happen. Uh, We haven't finalized the plans, but it's pretty sure that it's going to. But we have a very special guest that's coming on uh, My Bloody Podcast next week. And – Ah, let's just go ahead and do it. Um, go for it. <laughs> we're going to uh, do a double header 
of The Haunting of Hill House, the Netflix series, and also uh, tap into 1963's The Haunting and uh, discuss that film. And we're going to have filmmaker David Lowry, uh, who did Ghost Story and Old Man in the Gun and um, the, the new uh, Pete's Dragon film. So uh, it'll be exciting because I know he's a, he's a big horror buff like we all are, and it's his favorite genre. And it'd just be kind of cool to have him on the show and talk about his uh, horror tradi- or Halloween traditions, even though it'll be after Halloween. But uh, uh, he, I know he does like this 24 horror thon where he watches all these films. And so it'll just be exciting to kind of get into his filmmaking process, what excites him about the genre, and uh, discuss these two great uh, properties. Very exciting. Very excited uh, about this. But yeah, Preston, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. You can also find me on Instagram at the same uh, handle. And uh, you can find my writing on Ditton Record Chronicle, which is com, where all my uh, weekly theatrical reviews and interviews are up there. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it last time, but I have an interview up for Bohemian Rhapsody uh, with uh, the cast. And then I have a review that's uh, popping up today. And then I also am the features editor of freshfiction.tv, where we're posting some of the same types of great stuff. Very cool, and you're uh, what? You're on Pornhub too, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't make enough money, and so that's that's the way I got to do it. You know, uh, I just blur out my face and uh, get the job done, and just you know, just get the hands sweaty, and, and that's it. <laughs> Fantastic! I like it. Videos are good. Um, but yeah, and I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, and uh, this is the Multimedia Men Podcast Network with my bloody podcast, our Halloween episode. Look us up on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and everything else. We will be back next week, and until then, enjoy the candy.